Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Big Gay Talk podcast. My name is AJ, and I'm the creator and host of Big Gay Talk. My hope is that by making this podcast and sharing it with the world, I can help to open people's eyes to the many identities in the LGBTQ plus community and to shut down misconceptions and stereotypes about those identities. So without further ado, here's episode four of Big Gay Talk podcast. My name is Griffin Mabonglo. Um, I'm a film student, a highly amateur podcaster, and an artist. And in terms of my LGBT identities, I identify as non-binary, trans-neutral, uh, and on the aromantic and asexual spectrums. Awesome. Um, and today you wanted to talk about your trans-neutral identity and can you give me your definition of what trans-neutral means? Uh, trans-neutral, like trans-feminine and trans-masculine, means that um, you see yourself as, as in relating to the word transgender, as neutral. And also, um, you can relate it as you are moving towards neutrality, as opposed to moving towards masculinity or towards femininity in terms of gender. Not necessarily presentation, but gender. Okay. Um, and are there any, like, misconceptions or stereotypes that you've heard about this identity? Um, the ones that I do mostly intersect with the same kinds of things that you hear when you identify as non-binary. Um, there's a lot of the assumption that neutrality um, or just being outside of the binary scale means that your presentation is, um, if you're assigned female, at least slightly masculine, or if you're assigned male, at least slightly feminine. There's a lot of assumptions on like what pronouns you have, or that you have to be aligned with a certain binary gender or any gender at all. And then all the fun, just very outwardly transphobic things like that's not a thing right um okay um and by the way can you just um let everybody know your pronouns oh right my pronouns are zzer am or plural they them okay um and when you say plural they them you mean like you would say like they are versus like is right um i'm yeah uh, the only difference between singular they, them, and plural they, them is you would say themselves instead of themselves. Oh, okay. Good to know. Um, Just pretend I'm lots of people. <laughs> Will do. Um, okay, so um, how did you discover that you identified as transneutral? Um, well, I had been identifying as non-binary for a pretty long time, um, and... In person and online spaces I had been in, there was a lot of push to identify people as either trans masculine or trans feminine. 
Um, and I had kind of identified as trans mask just because of the specific um, medical transition route that I had been taking, but it wasn't very comfortable <laughs> just because I, there's not a lot of, if, if there is man in my gender some days, there's not enough for me to feel like comfortable with that word, trans masculine. Um, and then uh, one of my friends started identifying as trans neutral, and I was like, oh, shit, right, I can do that. That's an option. That's kind of the whole point. And that was actually fairly recently. That was like a couple of months ago. Okay. Um, and I've known some non-binary people who identify as both male and female and some who identify as completely neither. Um, would you say you fit into either of those categories? Um, it really depends on the day. I could consider myself gender fluid and I do use that word from time to time. Um, I have like a baseline, not a uh, male or female gender. And then sometimes there are other genders that get in there. Um, I did go through a lot of micro labels trying to figure out what the heck was happening. Um, but it's a lot of thinking that I don't have room for because I'm in college. <laughs> That's fair. So I found words that I could just kind of sit in and they didn't have to mean that much. Cool. Um, do you have a coming out story or more than one coming out story that you want to share? Kind of. I have a lot of coming out stories just because I've gone through so many words since like age 14 and I'm 21 now. Um, the first kind of coming out related story that I can think of was that like a lot of other people I know, I just kind of say I'm gay every five sentences or so, Mood. which like that sounds really silly. But um, for one of my classes last year, I was supposed to do an autoethnography about a behavior that I had. And I was supposed to kind of analyze it and observe it and kind of, I did count how many times I said it in a day. And it was about like, usually between like eight and 15 times. And I realized that if I said, like, besides the fact that I'm, I'm proud of the, I'm proud of who I am and I'm proud of the, the kind of attraction that I have and I'm proud of um, my gender is that if I said I'm gay in a public situation surrounded by people, surrounded mostly by people who support me, then that was a coming out that I had entire control over. Because if you're in a public situation with other people who are laughing, like, nicely at that, who will also say that, nobody can come up to you and say, no, you're not. There's, there's no room for dismissal or being an asshole about it. They just kind of have to leave. So because of where I am, I don't do a lot of coming out anymore because I'm very, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in a space where I can be public about my pronouns and public about my partners and, you know, say I'm gay every five sentences. So that's where my coming out usually is. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and you kind of already touched on this, but um, how would you say different people or at least most people in your life have responded to your um, trans-neutral identity? Yeah, very, very positively. Um, for Yeah, for the most part. Um, the people that 
I think wouldn't respond positively are the ones that I just don't come out to because um, my my parents and my immediate family, so my, my parents, um, their partners, and my siblings are all very supportive. And I knew they would probably be. Um, because before I came out as trans, I came out um, as by first, then lesbian with a question mark, and then trans. Um, but there's a huge section of my family that I'm not out to because it's a very... Uh, it's a it's a Filipino Roman Catholic family with a very intense structure, and I'm the oldest child of the oldest child of the oldest um, like group of sisters that kind of run the whole thing. So the effect of me doing something that is outside of what they expect of me would kind of ripple out to my entire family, um, and I need to wait until they think that it's just me being doing something crazy outside of the rest of my family's influence um, so that it doesn't affect the rest of my family negatively. Okay, and I know that you wanted to talk about um, the intersection of being queer and Asian. Is there more that you wanted to say on that? Um, I kind of said that already, but um, I think there's a weird relation to... um, being non-binary and being Asian. I'm Filipino, which is a kind of like, which most like Southeast and South Asians get considered by a lot of like white people to just not be Asian because I don't look East Asian. I don't look like a quote unquote typical Japanese or Chinese or Korean person. Um, so my, my skin is darker. I don't have um, the stereotypical eye shape so sometimes when i say i'm asian people say no even though i know that i am and my entire family knows that i am so i guess that's that's one other thing i've started to be loud about so that nobody can say no to me it's another thing i'm used to being erased from because i'm mixed and because i'm asian and because i'm non-binary so it all kind of feels similar. You wanted to talk about uh, transitioning both socially and medically as a non-binary person. What would you like to talk about with that? I guess I'll talk about medical stuff first because that's more simple to pin down. Um, I went into medical transition, specifically hormone replacement therapy, knowing that I wasn't for all intents and purposes, like, because since I was taking testosterone, I wasn't a man, but I knew what it would do to my body um, and how that would start affecting people, how people um, gendered me. Um, but I was at a point both where what I wanted for my body, specifically a deeper voice and no more menstruating and being misgendered as a man rather than as a woman, that was more desirable than the... Um, the experience that I was having without medical transition. And I stopped taking testosterone a couple of months ago um, because I had found a point where I was happy with what my body was doing and the kind of ambiguity that I found. But as I've gotten older, I've started to realize that because of the way that I look and my height and my body type, I will always get taken as one of three things. An adult woman, a teenage boy, 
or something people can't identify. But the last one doesn't usually happen. <laughs> and I'm starting to wonder if I'd rather be seen as an adult man over um, an adult woman or a teenage boy. So that's something, that's an aspect of my medical transition that I'm still thinking about right now. Socially, um, like I said, I'm very fortunate to be in a place where I can be very loudly out in like an academic setting. Uh, I only get correctly gendered in the spaces where people have already asked about pronouns, like asked the whole class about pronouns. Um, and I don't, I don't mind because I take it as a sign that they are accepting the, they're, they're not reading me as the gender that I was assigned. And that's better than nothing. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't feel great, but it's better than nothing. That's understandable. I've definitely, I mean, I don't identify as non-binary, but as a trans guy, I can relate to the, would I rather be seen as this or this? And like also relate to the being seen as a teenage boy, um, which is ridiculous. Like I've always been seen as much younger than I am, but like yeah, now presenting as male, I'm seen as even younger than that. So like most yeah. people yep. Yep. assume that I'm a 12-year-old boy and I'm 21. So I'm just like, whatever. At least I'm seen as a 12-year-old boy instead of a 12-year-old girl. But <laughs> baby yeah. steps. Very, very baby steps. Yeah, I know that I probably will move forward with going back on testosterone just because I, I don't want to have a period anymore. And I, I don't know what kind of things my dysphoria would do if I started to be read exclusively as an adult man, just because um, my my physical dysphoria has been almost non-existent since I got on and then subsequently got off testosterone. But that doesn't mean it won't come back. <laughs> I'm just thinking of it in terms of like, oh God, I don't remember the name of it, but like the ghosts of transition past. So are there any um, famous or well-known people that you know of who identify as um, specifically as trans neutral, and if not, then any non-binary identities. Is it is it cheating if I say someone who's from a podcast? No, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, there's this podcast called Under Pressure, um, and there's a character in it uh, called Dr. Sydney Peterson, who I like very much, and it's it's not just because the voice actor is one of my partners, <laughs> but it's it's really nice to hear everyone gendering them correctly, and then they don't have to be like a like a paragon of academic theory or any like social academic theory or anything. Um, because I see like I see non-binary characters specifically in like webcomics being almost entirely in an educator role and sydney is not that <laughs> cool um so this would be the character that is non-binary is the voice actor also non-binary uh the voice actor is two-spirit oh very cool My i think they were on the show earlier actually wait uh jory Oh my gosh, yeah, I literally just last week recorded the episode with Jory. I had absolutely no idea that you guys, oh, that's so cool, because Jory <laughs> mentioned their partners, 
and you mention yours, and I was just like, no connection whatsoever. That's so funny. That's awesome. So, oh, are there any resources that you know of for any non-binary identifying people? I do have two things in mind. Like one is an actual resource and one is a, is a piece of advice. So first of all, there's a, a website called Pronoun Dressing Room that I found very helpful, especially in that um, my main two pronoun sets are not binary ones and then they're also not they. And testing, you can test both your name and your pronouns out. Um, and it also shows you the specific parts of language that your pronouns are, so then they're easier to explain to other people. That sounds really cool, and I'm currently looking it up because I've never heard of this. Yeah, I've been using it for a, a good couple years just because every time my gender does something that I don't recognize, I have to be like, okay, is there something that I need to change about how I'm thinking? And just, just seeing seeing something with your name and pronouns on it, even if you're not like testing out new ones, can be very affirming and nice. See, this is super awesome. I didn't know that this was a thing. Um, and I'll have to tell one of my best friends about this because um, A has changed her pronouns a few times. And every time A is considering a different set of pronouns, A texts me and is like, hey, can you just say a bunch of random sentences about me using these pronouns? And I'm like, sure. So this is cool because now it can use something else to do that. Also, pronoun parts of speech is, are just its really hard sometimes. That's, yes. I've had, I've had a lot of practice, but they can still be really hard. And um, a piece of advice. So the doctor that I went to to start on hormone replacement therapy, he was very good. And he asked about um, my specific gender experience and basically didn't give any indication whether he thought less of me because I thought of myself as non-binary rather than a man. Um, but I know that a lot of cis endocrinologists aren't going to be like that. And if medical transition is something that you need for your mental health or for your physical safety, you are not a bad person if you have to lie because... You are not, you're not taking resources from anyone if you do, because you also need them. Um, and we all have to kind of figure out how to survive in our own corners of this very um, cis and binary centric world. So do what you have to do. You are not a bad person if you do. That is awesome advice. Thank you for that. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we end the episode? When, when Jory was on, did you talk about cultural genders? Yes. I mean, we, we weren't obviously able to cover everyone, but we did talk about a few. Okay. So I guess, I guess I'll say that cultural genders are not just a, like a historical thing. There's a Filipino cultural gender that I no longer identify with, but is a very recently created term, which is Tibo. So if you're not white, and especially if you're like mixed or, or diaspora um, and are looking for both a word that describes you and another way to connect 
your current state of being to your heritage. Um, looking for other um, non-white LGBT people who share your heritage, who you could talk to possibly about cultural genders can also be very helpful. I was very fortunate to be connected to um, Lucayo, who's another um, trans Filipino person. And they were the one that helped me with a lot of that stuff because I had connected a lot of my Filipino heritage with things that I did not or could not be anymore. Um, so finding a community or even just one person who can connect you to that heritage without invalidating you is very, very helpful. Awesome. Um, so thank you for being on my show. This was an awesome conversation. And I feel like I learned some stuff, which is always super fun. And I also learned that you and Jory are a thing and somehow <laughs> I had no idea about this. Um, so <laughs> that's cool. Um, thank you for having me. You're super welcome. Um, say bye to the peoples. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Big Gay Talk. This episode featured Griffin Mabonglo and me, AJ Beers. The audio editing was done by Katie Bregman. The theme song was created by Jeans. If you'd like to support our show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash biggaytalk. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash B-I-G-G-A-Y-T-A-L-K. To find more of Jeans' music or to hire or to create something for you, go to sounddesignerjeans.tumblr.com. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune into next month's episode. Keep it queer. <laughs>